This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Good morning, everyone. Isn't God just amazing? You know, uh, as I was driving to church this morning with my family, one of my favorite things to do, because I live in Falls, one of my favorite things to do is just drive past River Park. I just think it's one of the prettiest parks um, on the planet. Um, it just really is awesome. And, and if you grew up where I grew up, you would think any park in Sheboygan County is prettier uh, than uh, is the prettiest park on the planet. But uh, man, just driving past that this morning and how clear and sunny and beautiful everything was, you know, just stopping for a minute and, and just taking all of that in and how awesome God is. And I know that a lot of times when we come to church, we... We come in with a lot of baggage, come in with a lot of emotional stress, or uh, come in with a lot of conflict. Uh, maybe it was a conflict even getting here this morning, maybe uh, getting ready, or maybe even an internal conflict with should I go, should I not go. Well, I'm glad that you came here today because whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through in life right now in this moment, remember what I said last week that we need to come in with an expectancy that God is going to speak to us through His Word. That's what His Holy Spirit does. He takes that Word that is given, that's given to all of these people in this room that are hearing the same thing, but yet He can make it very personal for you exactly where you're at in the season of life that you're in, what you walked in here with, because He's greater. As I was driving here to work, that's, uh, well, I guess it is work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that sounded odd. I've never said it that way before. Um, but as I was driving here to church this morning um, and I drove past the park, I was just thinking, man, God really is beautiful. He really is greater. He really is bigger than anything that you or I could be dealing with. And I know that you're like, well, you don't understand what I'm dealing with. Yeah, well, you don't understand how big God is. Amen? Because when we, when we stop and we really look at how big and how beautiful and how awesome God is and how much He loves us, it so outweighs whatever you may be facing. And it helps us to rest and trust because we know that God is faithful. Amen? And if we know God's faithful and we know that He's good and if we know that He's on our side and, and, and more than just understand those things or the fact that we've been in church long enough that we can recite those things because we've learned all the right things that we should say instead of just learning those things... We actually allow that to sink down into our heart to where we actually believe those things. And when we believe those things, and it's not something that we just know, that's what changes things. Faith in that kind of God, the God that is bigger, the God that is, is beautiful, the God that, man, when we walk in here and we have all those weights and all those things that are just coming against us, all the distractions, that God truly is bigger and that He does love you and He wants us to walk in freedom because He wants us to know who we are in Christ. That's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. If you're taking notes, write this title down, Sanctified in Identity. We're going to start off in the book of Romans in the sixth chapter. So if you brought your Bible this morning or if you're following along on version, go to Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. The Apostle Paul, he's writing here to the church in Rome, and he says this, Romans 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. 
that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now here Paul says we should also walk in newness of life. So it's not just talking about the sweet by and by when we all get to heaven. I grew up in the south and we used to sing a hymn. When we all get to heaven, what a day, what a day rejoicing that will, rejoicing that will be. Alright, we used to sing that song. All right, and we, and, we, and we would always hope for heaven and always long for heaven. But what about here in the middle of the junk? What about here in the middle of the chaos? What about here in the middle of a world that is driven by sin, that is driven by selfishness? If you look at the result of all of the things in our world that are falling apart, the result of those things is because humanity is driven by a selfish, fallen nature that only wants to please itself. You see, we're following a pattern. We talked about that last week, a pattern of Adam. Now, here Paul tells the Romans, he said, listen, we were buried with Christ. In other words, we're identifying with the death that Christ died to who we were, the person that was driven by that sinful nature. And now, not only are we going to spend eternity with Christ, but he says here in verse 4 that we should also walk in newness of life because we've been raised together with Christ. And that doesn't just mean heaven. It means here. Amen. Somebody. It means here and now. You see, Paul has been talking about justification all the way to uh, the end of chapter 5. He's been explaining to the Romans, listen, you are justified in the eyes of God through faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what he did. He made the atonement. He was the propitiation for our sin. In other words, he was our substitute, the punishment that you deserve, the punishment I deserve. Jesus took upon himself so we didn't have to. And so that that pleased God. When we see that that paid the penalty for you and for me and we put our faith in that work, then we are made right in the eyes of God. That's why Paul said in Romans 1 and 17 that the just shall live by faith. We're going to live by faith. And he's been explaining for the past five chapters justification and the fact that we understand we're not justified by works. It's not something we earn lest any man should boast. It is something that is given to us as a gift and we receive that gift by faith. Amen? We receive that gift by faith. And we know faith comes from by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10 and 17. So when we hear the Word of God... And our faith is stirred, we believe and we trust that that makes us justified with God. But that's not the end of the story. It's not just that we go to heaven when we die because we're justified with God. No, there's something that we're supposed to walk in, and it's a newness of life. It's a new pattern, if you will, because God is not only concerned with the believer's status in God's eyes. He's also concerned with your condition. He's concerned with your condition here on this earth because you and I have a purpose, and that is to bring glory to God. And so our status has been changed in the eyes of God. We were dead. We were enemies of God. Now we're justified by faith, and God cares about that, and He wants our status to be right with Him, but He also wants our condition to change as well, to reflect His glory. Now, sanctification is the process of growing in God's righteousness. That's that newness of life that we walk in. That's being sanctified, and it's something that we grow in. It's not something that happens overnight, and it's not a one-time event. It's a process of growing in the righteousness of God. In other words, we're growing in the way that our lives reflect His glory. 
We're showing others how big God is through us. And sanctification is us growing in that process to where our lives begin to point people to God. Now, not how awesome you are or how awesome I am, right? It's that people go, wow, God really is good because I see something at work in you that's different. Everybody else is going with the flow. They're going with the flow of fallen man. They're going with the flow of sin nature. They're going with the flow of Adam because when he sinned, we know that there was a pattern that was established and we're all born into that flow. And so that's normal. But when you step out of that and you go against the flow, you stand out of the crowd. Don't look like everybody else. There's a change and you grow in that because you're not identifying anymore with that pattern. You're identifying with the new pattern because now you belong to Jesus, right? And you grow in that, and that's sanctification. That's us growing in God's righteousness, us displaying how awesome He is. The word sanctification means to be set apart for holy use or to function properly. And we grow in these things as believers. I want to show you a chart real quick that kind of displays this. You see God's holiness and man's sinfulness. And on this path, on this journey, we grow or we go up in sanctification as we're growing in reflecting God's glory. But guess what? Justification never changes. We never change our status. It never gets better. It's not like I'm justified and then once I got some things figured out in life, I'm justified 2.0. It's no, your status is always justified, but your sanctification means your life is reflecting more of God's glory to the world. And we grow in that, and we're never going to be perfect in that until we see him face to face. That's what Hebrew was, the writer of Hebrews was talking about when he said that just men will be made perfect. You see, we'll be made perfect when we see him face to face in heaven. But here on this earth, we are called to reflect his glory, and the way we grow in that is growing in this process of sanctification because we're not a part of the flow anymore we're we're not a part of the pattern anymore of adam you know when i first moved here one of the things that i thought was awesome was lake michigan loved it i was like wow lake michigan's great except it's not very useful i mean sure you can go out there and you know i've surfed lake michigan believe it or not and uh which that was fun it's cold And uh, unless you like to do the polar bear plunge, you know, or you like to go fishing, you like the beach, but we don't, we're we're like, there's a lot of water there and it looks fun. And then we convince ourselves, finally, we can play in that. And then we go, you know what? It's really not worth it. I'm blue. We all turn into Smurfs when we play in Lake Michigan for too long. But it's still beautiful and it's awesome and it's great and, and we love it and we're blessed to be on the lake. But if you grew up here in Sheboygan County and you've seen the lake your whole life, not that big of a deal to you. Just like when you go to some tropical island or something for a vacation, if you've ever been to Hawaii or, or if you've ever been to uh, one, of, one of the coastlines here in the U.S. and you've seen how vast and how beautiful the ocean is and how wonderful it is, and you go, wow, this is awesome. Guess what? People who grew up there don't care. Just as much as when they come here and see Lake Michigan, you don't care. Just as much as you can drive past all of these things you've grown up seeing your whole life and you don't think that much about it. But a southern boy like me who didn't grow up around Lake Michigan or who didn't grow up seeing more than an inch of snow that would run everybody and their dog off the road, when I see it, I just, my mind is blown. And I'm like, wow, this is special. This is, this is something, you know, this is great. And you look at it and you just, you can, you can be in awe of those things. 
It's the same thing when everyone is going a certain way. Nobody notices the pattern of Adam. Nobody notices the sinful, selfish nature. Nobody notices that because everybody's used to it. They've been around it their whole lives. But when someone goes another way, when they stand up for what is right and, and they begin to walk in the sanctification because they've now been justified in Christ, they're going and following a different pattern. And all of a sudden, they're, they're not, they don't look like everybody else. They don't react and act to situations like everybody else does. You see, when you're at work, the normal thing to do is when the boss chews you out is to go gossip about him, act a certain way. But because you're not in that fallen pattern, you're in a new pattern, you act a different way, and it blows everybody's mind. When somebody does you wrong, and you get upset or you get offended over something, the world expects you to act a certain way. And a matter of fact, they expect you to act a certain way. They'll even join your team. Yeah, oh, they did. They're so wrong. I'll go with you. Let's go. Yeah, we're going to go give them a piece of our mind. And we want to join in. Because that's the fallen, sinful pattern that everybody just expects. When something is done wrong to you, when someone uh, takes advantage of you, when something happens that's out of the realm of your control, and you want to regain control, there is a fallen pattern that you and I can fall right back into, and no one notices anything different. But when you stand up, or something and you're growing in sanctification and you're reflecting the glory of God, you begin to handle things the way Jesus handled things. And people take notice because the way he handles things is not the way that the world, the fallen pattern handles things. Amen? You see, when someone does us wrong, Jesus said, actually do good to those who would persecute you, those that would be your enemies. That doesn't make sense to the world. That's right, because that's the world's pattern. You see, when you stand up for something that is going to bring glory to God, when you stand up for something that's going to bring glory to God, it's not going to look like what everyone is used to seeing when they're following the pattern of sinfulness. God's righteousness, His glory, and our sanctification are going to meet when we're in heaven with Him. But as we grow in sanctification, we're growing in giving God glory. Let's keep reading Romans chapter 6. Let's pick it back up in verse 5. Paul says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, then certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. We've been made free, amen? See, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we also shall live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, he dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, because you're not under the law, you're now under grace. So here's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, listen, just because we have been forgiven and we've been made right in the eyes of God, doesn't mean that we go on living our lives however we want to, because Christ's sacrifice has paid the penalty for our sin. So now, what Paul's explaining is how you and I, as believers, are called to walk with a new identity. You see, we're not identifying with who we used to be, because Paul is saying that person has been put to death on the cross of Christ. 
He's saying, listen, who you were before Christ, who you were before he entered into your life and made all things new, that person, is he's died with Christ, okay? And now you're raised to newness of life because guess what? Who you used to be before Christ no longer has control or dominion over you because now you're a part of a new family. You have a new identity. That's the biggest thing that folks struggle with, though. It's not the fact that Jesus died for our sins. It's not the fact that we can't go, oh, you know, the cross is beautiful. We love His grace. We love forgiveness. We we love who He is. It's the fact that He wants us to identify with Him in death and in life. We struggle with identification because we're so used to being programmed to this old pattern that we have to renew our minds to think differently than we thought before. Just because he's changed our heart doesn't mean that we don't have some former ways of thinking that are still driving some of our actions and reactions. Just because he's recreated us in in, in our spirit and he's breathed his life into us and we're now justified in his eyes doesn't mean that we're still not carrying around some wounds, some hurts, some pains, some unforgiveness, some bitterness, some junk that we still don't have to walk through. That's us growing and reflecting God's holiness and sanctification. Does that make sense? And we grow and we learn exactly how much Christ has set us free. Because get this, you're as free as you're ever going to be right now. Right now. Because guess what? When Jesus does something, he doesn't do it halfway. Amen, somebody. You are forgiven as you're going to be right now. You don't realize it though. We don't realize how forgiven we are. We don't realize how free we are because we still think we're slaves to sin because of those old wounds, because of those old patterns. And that's why the Bible says in Romans 12 and verse 2 that we will be transformed by renewing our minds. I love the way the Amplified Bible says Romans 12 and 2. It says, it says don't any longer be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by renewing your mind. In other words, you're supposed to change the way you think to be more in line with the way God thinks. And when you do, you're growing in reflecting who God is. You're growing in reflecting God's holiness to the world and that they're seeing the life change. They're seeing the fruit or the result of what has happened in your heart. Your justification never changes. Guess what? You can be justified if you put your faith in the finished work of the cross. You're going to be justified. You can be wounded. You can be defeated. You can live the rest of your life feeling sorry for yourself and still be justified and that never changes. But that's not God's best for you. Amen? You see... That's where a lot of believers, they they, they never grow in this reflecting God's holiness because they accept Christ, they believe that with their heart, they really do, but they think that's it. They check out. Then they think after that it's just church attendance and tithing. And they think that's all there is to this walk. No, God wants us to grow to where our lives reflect His holiness, His glory, because that's what we're created for. And we're going to live a life void of purpose until we begin to understand our identity and who we are in Christ and our purpose so we can begin to grow in the things He's called us to grow so we can show the world how awesome He is. And as we grow in that, then not only does it show how awesome God is, but we begin to walk in the realization of the freedom that He bought and paid for on the cross. You see, because He died once and for all for sin. Sin is is defeated. Death is defeated. It's not going to be defeated again and again and again. No, no. He did it once and for all. When he hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. Guess what? That's what it meant. He didn't go, it's finished. Kind of. No, when he said it's finished, he meant it is finished. 
He meant that the power of sin that once controlled humanity and directed all of their actions and directed their heart, that power has been broken if they will just stop following in that pattern and put their faith and their trust and their hope in what I took on the cross for them. That's why he said, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. You see, we, we, we don't realize we're free because we're still following the old pattern of thinking. But as we grow in sanctification, we grow in reflecting God's holiness, not only are we bringing God glory, but we're walking in the realization of the freedom that Christ has already bought and paid for. And it makes Jesus all the more beautiful to the world because it doesn't look like the bondage and the junk that everyone else is flowing in and, and going in. And everyone wants to try to fix it. Everyone wants to come up with their own variation of it or their own version of it because nobody likes to deal with problems. No one likes to to deal with hurts and wounds and pains. But let me tell you something. The only lasting freedom you will ever experience is not going to come through Dr. Phil. It's not going to come through Oprahism. It's going to come through Jesus Christ. Amen? Because Jesus Christ is the only one who can deal with the heart of the issue and not just the results or the behaviors of what's going on. Our new identity is found in Jesus Christ. Now, Here's the thing. Galatians 2 and 20 says that you and I have actually been crucified with Christ. It says we actually died with Christ. This is, this is our new identity, okay? Who we were is wrapped up in Christ now. It's no longer I that lives, the Bible says, Galatians 2 20, but it's Christ that lives within me. The problem is, is that we never really grow beyond our deepest wounds, We'll never grow beyond those struggles. We, we can know the truth. We can even know all of the teaching about identification, sanctification, justification, and all the other words that end in T-I-O-N. We can, I've heard this before. I know this. Yes, but is our life reflecting that we've got this in our heart? Because it's one thing to just know it up here and know all those words and try all these different formulas and all these things that leave us frustrated or making us feeling like we're not good enough or like we didn't have enough faith to make it through. Come on. No, it's realizing and identifying with who Christ has made us. That's how we can rest in what Jesus has done. Let's keep on reading what Paul says. Let's pick it up in verse 15. That's where we left off. What then shall we say? Shall we sin because we're all not under the law anymore, but we're under grace? He said, certainly not. He said, do you not know to whom you present yourself slaves who obey? You're that one slave. Whether you obey sin leading to death or whether you obey God leading to righteousness. But God is thanked through you all uh, because you were slaves to sin, but yet you obeyed from your heart. That form of doctrine to you, it was delivered. And having been set free from sin, you're now a slave unto righteousness. You see, now we have a new purpose. We have a new identity. We're no longer slaves to sin, but now we're slaves to what? To righteousness. That means you and I are now slaves to bringing God glory. We are now given to Him to bring Him glory through our lives. And we didn't have that ability before. But now we do. And the benefit that you and I experience from bringing God glory is that we get to actually walk in the things that He has created and called us to walk in. Instead of walking in the old pattern of Adam, the sin that leads to death, we walk in a newness of life that brings glory to God. I talked about this last week because we've been given a new pattern to follow. Go ahead and sh uh, put that up on the screen, what we talked about last week. The pattern of Jesus is one that trusts God, one that obeys God, one that gave himself away for God's glory. And you remember this pattern of Adam, this sinful pattern, is one that trusts in himself above God, one that obeys his will, not God's, one that lives to only please himself 
and his desires. And you and I have a choice. Because now it's been set before us this day, life and death. Jesus said, let's choose life. Let's choose to follow the pattern of Christ. Because we've been set free from the pattern of sin and death. Amen, somebody. We've been set free from this pattern that leads to bondage, that leads to uh, broken relationships, that leads to feeling like a failure, to, that leads to us self-loathing and, and leading us to self-medicating and all these other things that we try to do in order to make ourselves feel better, but instead walking in peace, forgiveness, and freedom, walking in the path of Christ, that's the path of life. You see... People act out of their wounds, their wrong perceptions, their assumptions, their pain. That's why the process of sanctification is not you just simply not trying to do the bad things you did before you knew Jesus. Sometimes people just boil that down just to that simple. And that's, it's not, that's not all sanctification is. Okay, now that I'm a Christian, I'm going to try not to do bad things I used to do. Try really, really hard. Ugh, I did a bad thing. What are you going to do now? Oh, I guess I'm going to go to church and give some money because I feel bad. That's not walking in newness of life. That's not living a life that's glorifying God. That's you walking in condemnation. And Paul said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, he says, There's now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You see, there's a new identity here. There's a new pattern for you and I to follow. And sanctification happens through us dealing with the past, through finding forgiveness, and through learning to receive healing. That's part of our growth. That's part of our growth track that we're on. You see, sanctification is growing in function that will bring glory to God. And God wants you to find forgiveness not only for yourself, but to those who have offended you, those who have rejected you, those who have wounded you, whether it was someone in your childhood, whether it was a parent, whether it was a friend, whether it was a coworker, whether it was a boss, God wants us to find healing because the enemy would love for nothing more than you to get stuck in whatever tragedy he tries to bring your way. He loves to isolate us and make us stuck. He loves for us to feel like there's no hope for us because, well, everyone's going to think you're a freak because you're the only person who has ever done this or dealt with this. And so you just get all closed in and you never deal with it and you just self-medicate to try to make yourself feel better and the whole time we're in bondage but we, 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 we believed in Jesus and we're justified in the eyes of God but we're not walking in the fullness of life that's going to bring glory to God. Because we're carrying around our wounds. Maybe something a parent did or, or, or a family member or a friend. Something someone said. And we get frozen in time. And we just get frozen completely. And, 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 and we begin to react out of those wounds to other people. We were talking about this as staff pastors just the other day in a meeting we were having. And we were all sharing stories about things that people had done to us that had offended us or hurt us. And guess what? Almost every one of us, when we began to share those stories shared them with the same anger and passion that when it had first happened to us. What does that say about us? What does that say about us as people? What does it say about, if, if we can talk about a situation where someone did us wrong 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, and we can still talk about it, and, and, and we get all emotionally riled up about it all over again. Have we really found healing from that? Well, I guarantee you, here's what's happening, is that that thing wounded us, and now... 
we're treating other people the way we were treated. Because what's the saying? How does it go? That hurting people do what? They hurt people. And when we hurt other people, we're doing it because we ourselves are wounded. So there's an area in our lives, because we're not willing to uh, forgive other people, because we've been wounded, and then we get hurt, and, and we have a hard time struggling with forgiveness, and so we, want, we go out and we hurt other people, and we have expectations of them to treat us a certain way, but yet we're not taking that first move. We're always waiting for everyone else because we like to play isolate ourselves. We like to isolate ourselves. That's what the enemy wants to do. It's part of his strategy. That's identifying with the old pattern. That's the way the world works. You see, there's a new pattern in Christ. What does Christ do? He gives grace. What is grace? Grace is something you didn't earn, something you didn't deserve. Did you and I deserve forgiveness? No. Did we earn forgiveness? No, we can't. There's no way you and I can do enough good to earn God's forgiveness. He gives it to us as a gift. You see, when someone gives you a gift and then they make you pay for it later, it's not a gift. That's layaway. (laughs) That's some Kmart stuff going on. And that's not the way God's economy works. You see, the way God's economy works is that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. We receive these things by faith, not because we were good enough to get it. Amen? Not because he said, okay, I'll tell you what, when you get all this stuff figured out, I'll send my son to die for you, and, uh, you know, but you've got to get some things figured out because you're really jacked up right now. No, the Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When you were at your lowest, when you were at the place where you were a complete failure when you were failing morally, when you were fail, felt like a failure professionally, when you felt like a failure and you were weak and you were feeble and, and you just felt like you had created all these problems and you felt like everyone was against you and you were so wounded and hurt, guess what? At that lowest, ugliest, dirtiest point, that's when Christ died for you. While you are yet sinners, He chose to die for you then. That's grace. That's not giving you what you deserve not giving you what you earned, not giving you something because He felt sorry for you, giving you something because He loved you. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, right? God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to do what? To save it. He he came to save you and me. And He wants us to find forgiveness and healing and receive grace. You see, the reason we can't delegate or give out grace to other people oftentimes is because we haven't received grace ourselves. We haven't been able to receive forgiveness because we haven't felt like we could be forgiven because of our past, because of our woundedness, or because we haven't received that grace of God towards whatever person or situation we've been dealing with. So how are we expected to, to be that conduit of grace? The book of James says that you and I are called to be stewards of God's grace. That's quite a responsibility. To be a steward of it, we need to realize we can receive grace so we can be that conduit to give grace, amen, somebody. This is how we learn to receive healing. You see, this is this new pattern. This is this new identity that we have in Christ. But here's the beauty of this. We're not called to walk these things out by ourselves either. See, sanctification happens through believers sharpening one another in relational discipleship. That's where it happens. It doesn't just happen with just you and, 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 and Jesus alone. It can happen in that way. Absolutely, it needs to happen. But also, He has sent us one another to help sharpen one another. You want to know the greatest tool of sanctification on the planet? Marriage. 
Marriage is the greatest tool of sanctification on the planet. You want to know why? Because as imperfect as we are, let's take two imperfect people and let's put them together and put them in the same house and let's watch. Let's see what happens. With different values, different raisings, different, different ways of thinking, different things that they, they think are right and wrong, different expectations. Let's put them together and let's just do it. It's going to be fun. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be something happening in that relationship. But here's the thing. Sanctification helps us work through those things because we don't give up when we don't agree. What do we give instead? Grace. Healthy marriages are going to be marriages that reflect the gospel of Jesus, not giving one another what we deserved or what we earned, but instead giving grace. That's going to be the healthiest marriage. The one that is more concerned about the other person and you're willing to sacrifice and lay down yourself, your, your thoughts, your feelings, your desires, your emotions, and be willing to give grace instead of giving them punishment, what, they, what you feel like they need or what they deserved. That's healthy, to give grace. That's why the gospel is so beautiful. That's why it's such a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ being the bridegroom and we're the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the church. You see, sanctification happens in that relationship. That's why we need one another. You really want to get sanctified and have some kids. I just thought I was selfish before I had kids. Then I realized how selfish I was, which made me crawl to the cross of Christ and hold on to it because I was going, whoa, hang on a second, I really need me some Jesus right now. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. Do you people not know what sleep is? I do not want to clean up your poop. Sanctification happens when we're put in situations where we have a choice, where there's potential conflict, and we have to choose. Okay, I can get angry, and, 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 and I, can, I, can, I can just completely lash out, but that's the pattern of Adam. What am I going to do? I'm going to be selfless in this moment, and even though I may be frustrated, I'm going to calm myself down, and I'm going to try to think rationally, and I want to give the person what they need, what, not what I think they deserve. That's why you and I are not the judge. Hallelujah. Okay. Relational discipleship is our heart here at Word of Grace. If you're coming to the next move class, which is going to happen after our second service at, a, at 1230, I would encourage you to do that if you're considering membership. But uh, our heart here at Word of Grace is relational discipleship. That's why it's so important that you get connected in community groups. If you haven't gotten connected in community groups, I would encourage you Go out there to those uh, black tables that are on the red wall and uh, go out there and, and, and find a place where you can get connected because we need accountability. We need relationships. We need a discipleship because it helps us to grow together when we have someone else helping us and encouraging us along the way. That's why Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, just as iron sharpens iron, so does one man's countenance sharpen another. That's why James 5 and 16 says that we need to confess our trespasses, confess our sins to one another so that we may be healed. Isn't that interesting that James wrote that we need to confess our sins to one another? Do you have the power to forgive me? Are you Jesus? No. You can't give me true forgiveness in the eyes of God, but the reason he tells us to confess our sins to one another is not only for the accountability piece, but also because he's showing us that we need one another to grow in sanctification. We need somebody we can trust. We need somebody that we can grow with, that we can say, man, I failed as a husband today. Man, I failed on the job today. I was in this situation and this happened, or I'm struggling with this situation at work. And someone is able to come alongside you and encourage you and lift you up. 
That's why Hebrews 10 and 24 is, is, is talking about how we need to spur one another on to good works. And then in the 25th verse, he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. He said it's very important that you continue to assemble together as the body of Christ because I've created you to need one another. It's going to help you grow as you are growing in sanctification in reflecting God's glory. Part of it is going to be you needing one another, you sharpening one another, you confessing things to one another, you holding one another accountable, you encouraging one another, you spurring one another on to good works, you assembling together and being together and having that sense of family and community. That's what church is, and that's how the church is going to bring glory to God when we function in that way. That's where you and I are going to grow healthier and healthier as we grow more reflecting the holiness and the righteousness of God in this process of sanctification together through relationship and not just go here's a sermon go figure it out right hope you do good with this one here's a pamphlet or let me give you a little book and hope you can figure this thing out no we need one another that's why paul says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together he said especially when you see the day of the lord approaching he said especially when you see the day of the lord approaching how many of us can tell by the things that are going on on this planet that the day of the Lord is approaching. Amen. Amen. So you and I are not supposed to forsake gathering together as a church, whether that means here on a weekend or whether that means in a community group throughout the week or whether that means in our men's ministry or just as friends and family gathering together throughout the week to encourage one another, sharpen one another, build relationship with one another. And with discipleship being at the heart of what God has called us to do because it's what Jesus called us to do. In Matthew 28, he said, Go therefore into all the world and make what? Disciples. Go therefore and make disciples. And as we do that, we believe that discipleship happens best in the context of relationship where you've invested trust, where you've invested time, where we've invested with one another to where we can really help one another. Because until you have that level of trust, everybody's just going, Oh, hey, how are you? Well, praise the Lord. Oh, blessings to you today, brother. Blessings to you, sister. Oh, amen. I am just too blessed to be stressed. Who anointed to be disappointed. But really, you are stressed. Really, you are disappointed. What are you going to do then? Are you going to play church? Put on your fake mask? Or are you going to go, no, I need relational discipleship because I want to grow in sanctification so my life can reflect the glory of God. And so my brothers and sisters can help spur me on to good work. So my brothers and sisters can help sharpen me as iron sharpens iron because we need one another because that's the way God has wired us and created us. That's why that he told Adam, he says, it's not good that man's going to be alone. I'll create a helpmate for him. Amen, somebody. I'm preaching all kinds of stuff. It's not in my notes. Man, come on. <clears throat> I don't even know what that means. It means I'm saying things I didn't write down earlier. <laughs> Sanctification happens when we renew our mind with who Jesus says we are. Not with what the world says about you. Not with what your third grade teacher said about you. Not with what your uncle or your grandpa or grandma said about you that may have hurt you. Not what your boss says about you. Not what your ex-wife said about you. Hello, somebody. Not what this world would want to paint you as because you're in a certain socioeconomic bracket. Not what the government would say about you and label you as. You see, your new identity is going to reflect God the more you learn to grow in it. And it's as simple as us learning the fact that God has, has given us value. He values you. Do you know that? 
And I know exactly how much you're worth. You want to know how, much, how you know how much something's worth? You look at how much it costs, right? How much are you going to pay for this? You go to Best Buy, you want to buy a new TV. How much is TV worth? Oh, well, Best Buy says it's worth about eight, 900 bucks, maybe. You want to get a really big one, 1500 bucks. You want to get one of those like super sharp TVs, gigantic TVs, so the Packers are literally running in your living room. You might be paying two, three grand, maybe more. Because that's how much Best Buy says that's worth. And if you want that, then you're willing to pay for it. And when it's in your home, you know how much it costs. Get your peanut butter hands away. I know you just ate Cheetos. Don't you be touching my TV. Why? Why do, you, why do you treat those things that way? Because you paid a price for it because it's worth something to you, right? Well, guess what? A price was paid for you. And I know how much every single one of us costs because Jesus gave his life. Amen? You are not your own, the Bible says. You were bought with a price. Every one of us were bought with the same price, which means he values all of us the same. He doesn't go, oh, I really like Derek because he's a preacher. Nope. He doesn't love me any more than he loves you. If you got saved five seconds ago, guess what? You and me are in the same boat, buddy. Because before Christ, we were in the same boat. See, now I have a new identity because I see how much he paid for me. I see how valuable I am to him. I see how much he loves me. I see the great lengths he was willing to go through for me. And when I change the way that I think in regards to how I value myself and how I, how I see my worth, instead of allowing all those wounds and those things from the past, I began to be reprogrammed in my thinking and my value system by what God says about me. That's why it's important that we read the Word of God. That's why it's important that we listen to messages and that we hear what God says about us because it changes the way we think and sanctification happens when I begin to think differently than when I thought before because when my value system changed, I guess what? I'm going to react out of that value system. I'm going to begin to act like I'm worth something. I'm going to begin to act like I am loved. Act like I'm accepted. Act like I am favored. Act like he believes that he has given me a greater purpose than for me to just live selfishly. When I act that way, guess what it does? It gives glory to God. And I grow in that process of sanctification. You see, that's how we're renewing our mind, changing the way we think, our perceptions and our views. These things are going to transform your life. That's what Romans 12 and verse 2 says. Let's read verse 19 of Romans chapter 6. He says, I speak in human terms because the weakness of your flesh, for just as you present your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, now... Present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when we were slaves of sin, you see, you were now free in regard to righteousness. But now what fruit did you have when you were free from that? What fruit did you have when you were living as a slave to sin? He said, those things you're now ashamed of. He said, but listen, the end of those things is death, but now you've been set free from sin. You have a new identity. That's what he's saying in verse 22. You've been set free from sin, and you've become slaves of God. You have your fruit now goes to holiness, to the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sanctification is us growing in realization of the beauty of the cross of Jesus. 
It's us realizing. It's us realizing that who we were was nailed to the cross and died. And who we are now is us growing in understanding His grace, the grace of the gospel. John R.W. Scott said this quote. He said, before we can see the cross as something done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. Until we see the cross as as something done by us, how can we really understand that it was for us? You see, it was our sin that nailed him to the tree. It was what we did. It It was the penalty that we deserved. And when he said that, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, he wasn't just talking to the Roman soldiers. He was talking to you. He was talking to me. He was talking to the fact that we've been in this pattern. And he wanted to show himself mighty. He wanted to show himself awesome. For us to realize how great the cross is, we need to realize that gap between us and God and how we can't earn that relationship, how we can't earn that right standing, how it only comes through faith in the finished work of the cross. And when I see how great, when I see how magnificent the cross of Jesus is, it blows me away. It blows me away and it grips my heart and it causes a deeper level of repentance. It causes a deeper level of receiving grace. It causes a deeper level of transformation of the things that I value a deeper level of worship and it draws me closer to Jesus because when I identify with Christ in death he leads me to reign with him in life now we're on a new path we're on a new path with Jesus because old things are passed away 2 Corinthians 5 17 behold all things are become new amen somebody so I want to ask you this this morning Who or what is shaping your identity? Who or what is shaping your identity? Maybe when I was giving out some of those examples earlier in my message, maybe some of them stung a little bit because they hit too close to home, or maybe it reminded you of a situation that your identity has been wrapped up in because of what someone said or because of what someone did. Something that may have been your fault. You might might have been the reason that it happened because you made a mistake. Or maybe it was something that was completely done that you had nothing to do with and it wasn't fair and and it wasn't right. Someone took advantage of you. Someone, someone said something or did something that was out of the realm of your control. But it's caused you to get stuck and wounded and paralyzed in that situation. And Jesus has come that you would have life and life abundantly. Amen? John 10.10. 10. He has come that you would have life and life abundantly. See, the thief, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life abundantly, that you would walk in this new pattern, that you would walk in this new way. Go ahead and put that back up on the screen. Let's show them one more time. The pattern of Jesus is one that trusts God, one that obeys God, one that gives himself away for God's glory. That's the new pattern. The identity that we now have with Christ. You see, it's allowing Christ to become the chief influencer in my life. So who is influencing you? Who is, who's helping shape your identity? What are you allowing to say who you are? What are you allowing to define you? Is it the amount of money you make? Is it the fact that maybe you've been through some rough patches in your marriage? Or maybe the fact that you've been married more than once and you feel like people are judging you, feel like people are coming down on you and they're always looking at you with a different filter than they may see everyone else. Maybe because of things that you've done, maybe you've spent time in jail, maybe because of financial mistakes you've made. 
Maybe you've really blown it at your job. Maybe you, you, you've had way too many jobs to count and your identity's all wrapped up in that. You feel like a failure. Maybe you're not at the place in life that you thought you would be. Maybe you're not achieving some of the things that you thought you would achieve because you were following Jiminy Cricket's advice. When you wish upon a star. Maybe you're dealing with things right now that make you feel like you're worthless. Maybe your current, present struggles that are right now in your face make you feel like you're not worth anything at all. Are you allowing your struggles, your past, your shame, are you allowing all those things to identify you? If you are, I want to give you hope today. Say, I'm not going to allow those things to shape who I am. I want to grow in who I am in Christ. So I need to start renewing my mind with things Jesus says about me. Amen? I need to look through this book of Romans as we've been studying and see that I am no longer... You can take this sixth chapter and just read it out loud to yourself so you can hear yourself say that I was a slave to sin, but because of Jesus, I am no longer a slave to sin. I can read out loud and hear myself say in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I can read out loud and hear myself say that he who the Son has set free is free indeed and know that he's talking to you. Because when you grow in realization of those things, you're growing in sanctification, you're growing in reflecting the glory of God because you're changing where you're placing your identity. hope this has helped you this morning. I pray you take this word and you allow it to shape your perspective to help you grow and let your life reflect God, reflect His glory that you're forgiven. That guess what? The same grace that was given to me, the same grace given to you while you were yet sinners, while I was a sinner, while we all were sinners, Christ died for us. When I realize that, it just messes me all up and it drives me to want to worship. It drives me to want to just give Him everything. And then it just becomes more than just a song that we sing. It becomes a lifestyle. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.